We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. And, Bruce, we have a very special guest, and I'll let you do the intros. We do. The manager of the Chicago White Sox, Ricky Renneria, nice enough to take some time out on a Saturday morning to join us. And... uh, Certainly, initially, uh, quite a shock to White Sox Nation yesterday to you, your clubhouse, the front office, with the idea that uh, Michael Kopech will most likely miss until 2020. Ricky, were you able to talk to your players about this? I know you had a game to play, and uh, you don't like to concentrate on negatives or players that aren't going to be around, but this was such a, um, a humbling moment. Well, I think that uh, yesterday, once the news started spreading, Michael, I, I, you know, know was starting to talk to everybody. I didn't feel it was necessary for me to talk to the players about that particular uh, event. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit of a blow to the whole organization and to us and to Michael himself. But uh, we know the way Michael works and the way he prepares that uh, he'll be able to work through it and come back uh, fine and, and continue to contribute to the White Sox. This hour on the score brought to you by Grandview Homes. Grandview will buy your home today. Go to grandviewhomes.com. And inside the clubhouse brought to you by Respect Burgers, all natural frozen Respect Burgers, now available at local Jewel Osco. Uh, Ricky, uh, obviously it is a blow, but, you know, these things happen, unfortunately, in baseball. And, and I think you're the right person at the right time because you're always so optimistic. And this is still a long-term project, you know, short-term and long-term, for the White Sox to be competitive for years and years to come. So you have to always look at the silver lining in, in, in the dark cloud at the moment because these pitchers who have these Tommy John surgeries, they do, by, you know, by numbers here, come back stronger than ever. Yes, they do. I mean, it's, it's been proven that um, once they get this procedure done, if they happen to have, to have it, uh, they recover very well. And like I said, you know, Kopey, uh, he's a hard worker. He knows what he's got in store for him uh, moving forward. I'm sure he's going to be mentally and physically preparing himself to, to overcome this little obstacle. And, and we as an organization, we're not the only ones that go through it. I mean, everybody who's uh, at an organization that's putting their all their pieces together, every now and then something like this happens. I mentioned it yesterday. It's a little hiccup, uh, and everybody's got to just pick up their own uh, their own, own little banner and, and keep pushing. And uh, we have to continue to push with all the guys that are here and the guys that are coming and, and uh, keep moving forward. Ricky Renneria, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Schuster. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you talking baseball every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, except when there's breaking news, of course, on football. And then once in a while we'll talk football, but it's a baseball show. And Ricky, uh, you've been in player development almost your whole life since the time you were a number one pick yourself by the Pirates uh, way back in the 80s until now. And my my question is this, and, and it's going to sound like a second guess, but it's not really. Um, why with power pitchers and young guys that throw 98 to 100 miles an hour, why is it uh, that it's so difficult to teach them not to max out on their fastballs and to kind of conserve and, and basically develop their pitching technique rather than just going 98, getting a big breaking ball, going back to 98, 99, 
Um, why is it so difficult to find the guys like Verlander or Sale who uh, don't use their maximum amount of fastball all the time? Well, I think that's an acquired. It's, it's, it's something that they learn how to do. I, I, if you look back, I think most of these guys actually um, come in with this huge gift, uh, which is a big arm. And they probably had it their whole lives, obviously. Uh, they've been doing it since they were younger. They've been, uh, you know, uh, pushing it uh, to the limit, basically, not because they're forcing it to, but because it's just something that they're capable of doing. Uh, understanding the stresses that are involved in it, especially when they're a lot younger, um, you know, that, that the arm's going through, it's not completely developed. Those are part of the things that I think that actually affect probably where they're at right now at this age. Um, and I think that, you know, again, uh, this is a situation in which you have a young man who is learning how to pitch. Uh, you're absolutely correct. I think I think we are on the right track with him in that regard. He was doing very, very well uh, when he joined us. But uh, this is one of those things that occurs, uh, you know, every now and then with a power pitcher. And, uh, again, once it's corrected, um, he'll be okay. And uh, he will continue his path of learning how to pitch and continue to dominate the strike zone. Hey, Ricky, I was at the ballpark the other night, obviously, and uh, up in the press box, so I wasn't able to listen to the broadcast. But Steve Stone and Jason Benetti, you know, apparently were saying he looked a little bit off talking about Michael Kopech that night. And, uh-huh. and obviously his, his velocity was a few ticks lower than I guess you're accustomed to. So, right. you know, they said he just didn't look like himself from the dugout. Did you have any inkling? You know, I don't think you were thinking about, you know, the UCL injury in his elbow, but did you have an inkling that maybe he was just a little bit off even that night? Well, I know that um, what we were what we were talking about was simply more, you know, command. Uh, velocities were within the the same range that he had had that that I had seen uh, since he got here. I didn't see him the first night. I I just saw him, you know, in Detroit, and obviously the uh, this last outing. Um, and we we just um, he had two two range short outings. So um, for us, you know, to gauge it. Uh, Detroit was the last one we, we saw. We didn't see anything. Um, we didn't see any grimace. We didn't uh, see anything that was, you know, telling us that there was something deeper involved. Uh, he never came in and, and uh, complained about anything. So it wasn't uh, anything we were concerned about. Uh, it wasn't until the, the day off when he said he was a little stiff, and so you know, rightfully so, he called. Ermey got checked out, and, and uh, we got the news uh, uh, that we received yesterday. Ricky Renneria, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse for a couple more minutes. Ricky, uh, when you when we get a lot of calls and people asking about Moncada, how how do you look at his player development this year? And uh, what are some of the positives that you've taken out of it for next year? And what are some of the things that you're going to ask him to work on if he goes indeed plays in winter ball at all or starts uh, contemplating what his uh, method will be coming into spring training? Well, one of the biggest things I think we were talking about, and, and Tricks talked to about him a lot, and we as an organization talked about, he obviously has a, has, a, has a very good eye. But along with that good eye, uh, he also has um, the ability to you know, drive the ball to the ballpark, take his walks. We want him to be a little bit more uh, expansive in terms of aggressive in the zone. With two strikes, continuing to you know battle a little bit more. Um, I think that He's taking some strides in that direction. I know the strikeouts pile up. I'm not really worried about the strikeouts. It's him making the adjustment to be just a tad more aggressive, a little short to the baseball with two strikes to put himself in a position where he can, 
you know, still make contact and, and um, fight off it just to keep the battle alive, as opposed to walking away from that at bat with a chance of no productivity. Because obviously, if you don't put the bat on the ball with two strikes, you, yeah, if you're if you're striking out, uh, there's no chance for uh, for a base hit or an error or something just to develop with the ball in play. But we don't want to expand the strike zone so much that he gets outside of and starts chasing pitches that just aren't manageable enough. Um, I think he's he's starting to understand that a little bit. I think we see it in his approach. Uh, we still want him to continue to develop his whole baseball skill, you know, becoming a baseball player, keeping his eye on, on the ball from the defensive side and the offensive side, always kind of being ahead of the curve a little bit. And those are things that he's gaining knowledge with. I think that, you know, when you come to the major leagues, um, you know, people think that you should already be done. It, it, most players aren't completely finished. I mean, they're they're still a product of of, uh, of developing and evolving. And uh, some of these guys, and this for him in particular, this is an experience that he's had that I'm sure he's going to walk away from this uh, after the season's over. And, and you know, as we sit down and talk with all of these guys and contemplate what it is that we see, see how they what their perspective is, and give them a, a, a real good idea of what it is we need to continue to improve upon in order to help them become quality major league baseball players. Hey, Ricky, there's no question that the injury to Michael Kopech is a body blow uh, to the fans, to the organization, et cetera, et cetera. But the future is still bright. There's so so many young men with talent in the system that, you know, hopefully better luck is down the road. One other player that I'd like to ask you about, if you have an update on who's had his own injury, he's a local kid. I was so looking forward to seeing him this season, Zach Birdie. Uh, and I still think his future is incredibly bright. I, I think he's a potential closer out of a bullpen somewhere down the road. Do you have any update on his status? Can we look forward to seeing him maybe as soon as next season? Well, his stat, you know, he still has absolutely a bright future. He started to come back and, and perform at, at the minor league level and was doing well. Um, you know, he's another one who's uh, got a, a tremendously a strong arm, a gift. Uh, you know, we'll be able to see him, you know, in the spring and, and see how he's doing. And all these young men that uh, we had uh, coming through the minor league system right now, um, they are uh, truly uh, um a talent. Uh, I think that the organization has done a great job in the acquisitions again in the drafts uh, we've had lately, and uh, I think that uh, Birdie in particular uh, has a chance to come up and and uh, do something special. I think that obviously expectations for everybody are always very very high, and we want these guys to understand. And you know those those expectations will be filled by the way they go about doing the business. You know, one before the other. Have to be patient. Make sure that you understand how you're going about doing what you're supposed to do and give yourself a chance to have the successes that you need. Obviously, pitchers in particular have to try to command the zone. Uh, you, you have to be able to have a mix of pitches. Uh, I think that major league hitters do uh, take advantage of. Uh, any pitcher that uh, seems to put out uh, either a towel or a, or a, a sequencing of, of pitches, and so you have to be able to mix it up uh, at the major league level. But Birdie, I think, is one of those guys that is recovering well. And we're looking forward to uh, the future for him. Ricky, thanks so much for joining David and myself on Inside the Clubhouse. We appreciate that. Not only this time, but uh, just uh, the way you uh, give us so much time uh, every day and what a uh, gentleman you are and how well-defined you are when you answer questions. Really appreciate that and look forward to seeing you out at the ballpark today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Ricky. Take care. Ricky Renneria, manager of the White Sox. Talking Kopech, Mankata, everything White Sox, uh, not an easy job uh, that Ricky Renteria has. It's uh, uh, He's patient beyond patience. 
He is diplomatic beyond diplomatic, and he's tough with guys when he needs to be tough. And I like that uh, he's not afraid to pull a guy from a, a lineup if somebody's not hustling out there. We've seen it from last year through spring training. Even in a spring training game, he pulled out Avisel Garcia for not running out a ball. Uh, they have to pay attention if you're going to play for Ricky Renneria, and it's a tough job. It really is. Yeah, he's patient also with some of our questions that we ask him on a daily basis because, listen, you and I have been around numerous managers over the years, and you know we pepper them with sometimes dumb question after dumb question, but he is always uh, affable and, and easy with all his well, answers. Like uh, Joe Madden, they might take the proverbial dumb question and turn it into a smart answer. Because they have that type of capacity. And we're, we're lucky to have two guys that are really good communicators on both sides of town. Yeah, and we've had some bad ones over the years. I Herman think. <laughs> Franks, leave him out. Leave him out of the conversation. Oh, my God, we're going back in time. But, yeah, he might have been the leader of the pack. Um, it's unfortunate, what, obviously, what's happened with the White Sox and Michael Kopech. And we're going to turn our, our thoughts very shortly now to the Cubs because they're going to be a playoff team, and we're going to talk about that. But the White Sox have had so many Bad blows injury-wise. Uh, Michael Kopech is just the latest one. I asked Ricky about Zach Birdie. There's been Jake Berger. There's been uh, there's been Dunning. There's been Alec Hansen, Luis Robert. Even Eloy Jimenez has had his share of injuries. This latest one is certainly a big body blow. Right. And, and again, injuries are a part of it. I remember talking to Jerry Reinsdorf uh, at the general manager's meetings last year. And I said, you know, it looks like you guys are building – Quite a uh, quite a group of uh, good young players, and he said, "Well, we have to because if if you get twenty five new players and they all have possibilities, you'll be lucky if you get six or seven of them to work out." And unfortunately, Jerry knows what he's talking about. He it's from history, and that's why before they did the rebuild, Jerry said, "Well, you know, are, are we sure we want to do this? Because it just doesn't happen overnight." And what happened with the Cubs and the Astros? There were tremendous growing pains, and it happened quicker than both organizations thought it would that both teams were competitive and eventually winning championships. Does it taint the process, David, that two teams rebuilt, went through struggling, but it happened quicker than they thought, and now you have upwards of 12, 14 teams in baseball that are basically tanking to try to get to the same point. It's not going to be that easy. No, it's not that easy, and you need luck on your side. And like I said, unfortunately, they have not had lady luck injury-wise on their side, which is very, very, very unfortunate. Bruce, we have time for one call before we take a break. Let's go out to St. Charles and pick it up with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hi, guys. Um, Question. When a guy hits the big leagues, he's got six years of club control, right? Sometimes seven. Okay, depending on when he hits. Right. The, I mean, for instance, Brian was brought up uh, 10 days or 12 days into the 2015 season. The Chicago Cubs retain uh, his um, contract for seven years, that that year and six more. Okay. But in the case of Kopech, they got a month out of the guy, and now next year counts against that club yeah, control Yes, it does. Too, right? Yeah, he's on so the major league down, DL. So they're down to four now. Not four, five. They are down to five. Right. Okay, so that's not as bad as I maybe thought. No. So they'll have five years of control. But, uh, you know, I think you're, you're thinking properly, and you're thinking like a general manager or an owner of a team. When you look, when you look at uh, the situation between Kopech and Jimenez, 
What's the difference? And thanks for your call. And David, here's the difference. One's a pitcher, one's not a pitcher. That's right. One's a pitcher with so many bullets in it. That's that the once they're it. developed, like Kopech was, <laughs> get, the get him up here, and hopefully you get three or four really great years out of him before he gets hurt. That didn't happen. With a position player, it's much more likely that you're going to get uh, a lengthy period of time out of him, and controlling a superstar possibility like Jimenez may be, uh, and looking at the scenario of him being a $25 million player in his sixth or seventh year, those are those are things that you look at. Bruce, we have a lot more in store for the audience before this show is over at the top of the hour. And then it's Steve Rosenblum and myself. We'll be here up until 1130. You we have still Bear- have time to change your mind, David. <laughs> run, David, run. Bears all access from 1130 to 1230. Uh, let's see. Is that correct? 11.30 to 12.30, is that correct? Um, yes. Oh, we have the pregame at 1.30. I'm sorry. I might have, Zach will correct me on all the times that we have going on today. No, I'm sorry. It's 11 to 12.30 that we will be on with Steve Rosenblum and myself. Then it's Bears All Access to 1.30. The pregame at 1.30, Zach with his pregame, Zach Zaidman. And then, and then baseball first pitch. all the way through. There you go. We got Cubs baseball the rest of the day. Double header, and then 45 minutes later, another Chicago Cup baseball game here on the score. Absolutely, but we still have more in store for this show inside the clubhouse. Kyle Hendricks is scheduled to join us at the bottom of the hour. And David Haw, who's part of Mully and Haw, that's uh, weekdays Monday through Friday, 5 to 9 in the morning. He will join us at the tail end of this show. So let's take a quick break here right now. Our phone number is always 312-644-6767. You can text us at 67011. We'll be back right after this. 1025, welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuh. He is Bruce Levine. Uh, We're going to hear from Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs in just a moment or two. And Bruce, uh, again, the body blow of Michael Kopech to the fans, to the organization. I'll just say this to all of Major League Baseball, because let's face it, he is an incredible prospect that we've seen glimpses of now, obviously at the Major League level. It hurts. It just hurts. So many injuries when they happen around baseball, you feel them all over. I mean, the Otani injury. Good for him that he's a yeah. two-way player. Oh, by the way, I'm not pitching. All right, I'll just continue to hit three-run homers. So, well, he, he's hit three home since they discovered that he's got this right. problem. He's going to have to have the Tommy John surgery himself. He's hit three. I was home runs. I was in on an interview with him and his interpreter yesterday in the uh, visitors' dugout after we got the Kopech news. And one of the reporters, uh, one of the English reporters, uh, asked him, uh, "Does this mean you'll uh, you'll consider not?" not pitching anymore. And he just started laughing. You know, he, he, he barely answered. He laughed for like 20 seconds. And then he told the interpreter, no, you know, I'm, I'm a pitcher, you know? So, uh, his, his dream continues on. It might be a, a, another year until he can, uh, go out and pitch again, but he's been cleared to be a DH and, uh, be able to, Rehab from the injury at the same time. Can Kopech hit well enough for him to be a DH I, for the White I, Sox? I, I wish. What a story <laughs> Otani is, really. It I really mean, is. Uh, just a, an amazing, amazing baseball athlete. Who we haven't seen the like of. Uh, you know, again, uh, he was feeling twinges in, in spring training in his uh, in his elbow, and he he had a procedure done uh, to do the blood platelets in uh, the middle of the season, and now. Uh, the Tommy John surgery. Is is he the rookie of the year in the American League? <sighs> Have to look at it closer. I imagine, you know, I. I mean, he's going to get a lot of votes, but, you know, his, his work's kind of been incomplete. You know, I mean, 
Well, he missed a lot of time, and he still has these 17 home runs. Yes. I mean, if he didn't miss all that time, you can project uh, him. I think, you know, you got, you got two real top candidates with the Yankees and Andujar and, of course, uh, Torres, who came over from the Cubs. They've had tremendous seasons, and they're going to get an awful lot of votes, uh, especially because of the fact that they've played all year long. Hey, Bruce, uh, let's talk just real quickly before we hear from Kyle Hendricks. Uh, playoffs in Major League Baseball. I think the American League is still ultimately going to come down to Houston and Boston, and you know they've had some games against each other, you know, over the last couple of days. I still like Houston overall. Boston, you know, had its own body blow. Dustin Pedroia now is out for the season. Right. I, I still think Houston, the defending champion, is going to come out of the American League, and I'll say it right now: I think the Cubs are coming out of the National League. Well, uh, I mean, they've been the best team in the National League all year long. Milwaukee and St. Louis are two. Outstanding teams. I don't think um, I'm not scared by Colorado, Los Angeles, Arizona. They're all good teams. You can throw a blanket pretty much over the National League, but uh, Milwaukee and St. Louis, very competitive teams. They're they're likely to be the two wild cards and fighting it out and playing the Cubs in the first round if the Cubs hold suit. Um, that'll be it. Might be the most challenging round for the Cubs. Uh, other than having to face, you know, somebody from the East like Atlanta or the three teams fighting it out in the American National League West. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, as of right now, if the Cubs would win the division, of course, and they would face the wild card winner, Milwaukee, St. Louis. Uh, Bruce, right now we do have a special guest, and uh, this upcoming interview with Kyle Hendricks is brought to you by Northwestern football coach Fitz and Chicago's Big Ten team. They return to Ryan Field later today when they host Duke at 11 o'clock this morning. Season and single game tickets on sale now at nusports.com. Bruce, uh, you know, he's guest. he's known in some parts of the clubhouse as Mr. Ricketts. He's known in other parts as Carl, but we know him as Kyle Hendricks, the excellent pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Nice enough to join us on Inside the Clubhouse this morning. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're, we're doing good. Thanks for taking some time out today. I know your schedule thrown off a little bit. Uh, you probably have a side today, and uh, it might be moved up because of the doubleheader. How do these things, when you're sitting around – as David pointed out, for hours and hours, some of it seeming kind of needless uh, last night with the forecast. And then you have to change your whole schedule around uh, the next day and start getting your work in early. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. That's what part of the game, something that comes along with it. Um, I guess you don't enjoy it necessarily, but uh, yeah, it's just something that you got to deal with and handle. So at least it's not a split doubleheader today. So, you know, we get to right. go up go up there today and just play two games and, and get it over with. But, yeah, you know, this isn't a terrible schedule. What, what is that rain delay like? Uh, thank God everybody has their iPhone to uh, entertain themselves. You get tired of card games and uh, also, uh, you know, um, somebody, uh, you know, you know, having fun. I mean, at, at a certain point, it's got to get a little monotonous when you're waiting around that, that long. Yeah, after a little while, it starts to get a little monotonous. But I would say there's so many guys in that clubhouse. I think guys uh, definitely find their groups. They move group to group, see what, see what guys got going on. Some guys are playing video games, some watching a movie, some just hanging out, talking. So, yeah, you uh, you can definitely find something to do while you're waiting around. But it can get a little, a little monotonous the longer you do wait around there, for hey, sure. Hey, Kyle, let's talk about you, because ever since certainly the All-Star break, you, you have kicked it into another gear. You told us so many times earlier in the season it was uh, either mechanics, uh, your fastball command. What has been 
the turnaround for you specifically in the second half of the season to get you back where you know you I'm sure are happy where you are and so is everybody else yeah definitely it's those things you, those two things you just mentioned it started with my mechanics um, I went through a stretch where it just wasn't right you know I couldn't couldn't get the right feeling going down towards the catcher working down the mound so I had to put in a lot of work in the size just to kind of get some bad habits that have been forming out of there and once it started to turn around I could just feel the difference finally had a chance got some angle on my fastball started working down the mound better and everything kind of just came from there. Um, number one for me is always my fastball command. So fastball command started to get a lot better. And just from that, my changeup and curveball work right off of that. So since then, you know, it's just trying to, like, solidify all those good habits, I guess. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it just felt really good the last three weeks or to a month. Um, and fastball command has probably been the, the biggest key to that. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but you lead the team in innings pitched. Uh, that's that's quite a statement these days because it seems like 175 is a new 200 as far as uh, innings pitch for starting pitchers, and you're you're still on a good pace to m- maybe uh, even get close to it. Uh, do you concern yourself with innings? Does it uh, matter to you? Do you take pride in it, or knowing that uh, the bullpen's ascension to pitching so early now uh, impacts that that it, it doesn't quite matter as much? Yeah, no, I, the game has definitely changed as far as bullpen usage and all that. But, um, yeah, for a starting pitcher, I mean, you still pay some attention to that, I think. One of my goals, every you know, you want to pitch deep into the ball game and give your team a chance to win. When you're going out and going five innings every time, it just ends up being a lot of innings to cover for the bullpen over the course of a full season. So, yeah, you definitely take some pride in going out there and trying to go deep into ball games. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to do. But, yeah, 200 is – is always kind of a goal if you can get there. That's that's a really big number for starting pitchers. I know we probably won't have anyone get there this year, but at least get as close as you can. It just saves saves the bullpen and keeps them fresh, especially when you want to be playing all the way through October. Hey, Kyle, I wonder if you could talk about the job that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer have done in picking up some incredible uh, acquisitions here to help you guys out for the remainder of the regular season and hopefully very, very deep into the postseason. Daniel Murphy's been fantastic. Cole Hamels has been fantastic. Jesse Chavez, who doesn't get the same acclaim as maybe those two guys, he's been fantastic out of the bullpen, and there are others as well. As a player in that clubhouse, amongst everybody else, when you see the acquisitions of players like this to help you guys out down the stretch and hopefully deep into the postseason, what does that do for the morale of the clubhouse? Yeah, that's been the biggest part of this year. It's been unbelievable, the guys that we've been able to bring in and just add to our group. Um, it brings kind of a new energy for us, I guess. Uh, you guys come in, we learn you learn something from guys that have been around, you know, the Cole Hamels, the Daniel Murphys, just talking hitting, talking pitching with them. But like you said, outside of them, even Chavez, De La Rosa, we got so many guys we picked up that everyone's come right in and helped us win ballgames, um, which is huge at this time of the year. And uh, on top of that, you know, they've just picked up great guys. These guys come in, they're just really good guys all around. They fit really good into our group. Um, so, yeah, we, we love having all the new guys so far. When they come in and start performing the way they've they've been, I mean, how could you not love them? So, yeah, for me in particular, Cole Hamels has been huge, just being able to, you know, talk to him in between our starts, talk pitching, talk baseball. He's just a loves playing baseball. He's a good, obviously, one of those just baseball guys. So he loves being around the field and being around the game. So I've learned a lot from him since he's been over here. Kyle Hendricks with us for a couple more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Kyle, you know, the conversation outside the clubhouse is, do the Cubs have that 
lockdown closer to get the job done. Uh, I think that when you see the professionalism of the guys like Ciszek and Strope and now Chavez and the way that Wilson has reinvented himself this year and just the, the quality of what they've done out there, I think that that probably adds – uh, a, a good feeling about a closer by committee situation, but what's the talk like in the in the clubhouse when it comes to that? Uh, can you relate any of that without uh, divulging, you know, the the general thought process of not having Chapman, not having possibly, you know, certainly Davis, maybe not having uh, Morrow uh, the rest of the year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's really not talked about actually, and I think that just lends to how well everyone's been pitching down there. Um, you really can rely on, like you said, any of those guys you just named. Any of them can get the last three outs of a game, or it can be pieced together, you know, to figure out how to get through that last inning. But guys, have, some of those guys even have experience as being closers. So getting those last three outs, having some experience, I think, can definitely play a big role in that. But yeah, obviously, it would be great if we could get Morrow back. What he means to this team, it would be huge. But if not, we definitely have the pieces in place to get the job done. And with especially how well these guys have been throwing lately. Um, like you said, any of those four or five guys could get the job done late in the game for us. Kyle, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today and inside the clubhouse. We'll see you when you get back home. Uh, you guys have shown to be road warriors so far, and that's uh, certainly boding well knowing this 11-game uh, uh, trip and 23 in a row certainly would test anybody. Definitely, yeah. We got two big ones today, so hopefully we can go out and get get a couple wins today. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, guys, and I'll see you when we get back. All right, thanks. Thank you, Kyle. Kyle Hendricks joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, We're going to talk to David Haw of The Score, who is with, uh, obviously, Mully and Haw every weekday from uh, 5 until 9. He's writing on our internet, uh, talking a little bit about uh, the COPEC situation. So David will join us when we come back from break. And Bruce, real quickly, uh, in regards to Kyle Hendricks, he definitely has stepped it up. As, as everybody said that he would here in the second half of the season, so that's certainly encouraging. The Cubs will definitely have good starting pitching, I think, the rest of this way going into the postseason, and that, for me, is always where it's at, and that's what a team should be based on, especially going deep into the season. They have him, they have Hamels, they have yeah, Lester. If, if your starting pitching's peaking at this point, which it appears it is, at least for for four of these guys right now. Um, I can't tell you where Montgomery's at exactly, but coming back from injury. But uh, that that's a good sign. You know, if you're going to get six out of your starters now, and six is the new seven, so um, that that's considered to be great. If you can throw six innings and keep the team other team with three runs or less, you're you're on your way to the. Uh, Hall of Fame now. And Bruce, the segment on The Score brought to you by Lakeside Bank. For the second year in a row, the top-rated bank in Chicago is Lakeside Bank. S&P Global Intel says Lakeside is number one among all 2017 banks. Between one and ten billion in assets. Join Lakeside Bank. It's about time. And it's and, time for us to take a break. Yeah, go ahead. Kudos to our salespeople who sell just about every ten seconds uh, of uh, time on this show. <laughs> they, they do a fantastic job. Well, so. they have to for, for your salary. they got to sell something. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's so huge. It really is. (laughs) We'll be back. I'll talk to David Haw, the score. Talk a little bit about what he's writing on 670thescore.com going into the weekend. All right, we'll be back right after this. 
1043, welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He is Bruce Levine. This is our final segment. Uh, And coming up at the top of the hour, Steve Rosenblum and myself. We will keep you company up until 1230. Then it's Bears All Access, 1230 to 130. Then Zach's pregame show from Washington. And then we have Cubs doubleheader, uh, the makeup of last night's game, and then the regularly scheduled game right afterwards. So lots of baseball still to come here on the score today. But right now, Bruce, we have another special guest, and I'll let you do the intro. He is the Haw of Mullion Haw, and you hear them every weekday, Monday through Friday from 5 until 9, right here on The Score. And he joins us to talk a little bit about Michael Kopech and uh, this recent injury. And uh, David, I know you're going to be writing on the internet uh, at 670thescore.com about this story. Certainly a tough one for White Sox fans and front office to swallow. Morning, guys. How are you? Two hardest working guys in Chicago radio. You get a day off in November someday, and then and you go back to uh, that's enough. Back to work. One, one day is enough. <laughs> you know, Bruce. Uh, you guys have been covering it very well. I enjoyed the interview with Rick Renteria. This is if the Sox didn't have bad luck this season, I don't know that they'd have any luck at all. Um, you know, Michael Kopech news was a punch in the gut. I, I think everyone sort of felt the same way when you when you heard the. The information and got sort of inkling what was going on, and you felt a little Hawk Harrelson inside of everybody. I mean, you got to be bleeping me. Um, this was uh, un- unforeseen. Uh, I don't know that it was. I mean, it was a shock because of the timing. But anybody that throws the ball that hard at 22 years old, you know that this was this was your worst fear coming true. Um, I think it's something that he can overcome. I, I think that you got to look at it this way if you're the White Sox that it's a a blessing in disguise that it happened now and not next April. Um, you, you've got to try to make the best out of a, a bad situation that, that was your worst-case scenario in regard to Kopech. But I don't think this changes anything about the rebuild. and that, That's what I wrote, and I think that you've got to believe, if you're the White Sox, that you can withstand something even this somewhat catastrophic because you have depth and you're still looking like a, a team that, that should be circling 2020 on your calendar to contend. Hey, David, 100% I agree with you that uh, it, obviously it's a bad blow uh, for, for Kopech and the organization and the fan base, to be honest with you, for this to happen yep. at this time. But, you know, the, the White Sox charted their path a couple years ago, and they've had some bad luck. And a lot of people today, and, and obviously the timing and Kopech's injury, you know, the, the naysayers are com- coming out right now and getting on Rick Hahn's case uh, the Mankata deal, uh, along with Kopech for Chris Sale. So I'm just wondering your overall thoughts on what Rick has done to this point. And it's not just Rick, by the way. It's Kenny Williams and it's Jerry Reinstorf. It's a three-headed uh, conglomerate here. I'm just wondering, you know, uh, what your thoughts are. You didn't want to say monster, did you? No, I didn't. Well, I was, <laughs> it was in my head, but I did. It was in my head, but I didn't say it. I'm going to say conglomerate. You know what, guys? Just your thoughts. I mean, look, it's easy to say right now that, that you lost – the sale trade. I mean, you're losing the sale trade because Chris Sale is a looks like a Cy Young Award candidate on a team that could win the World Series. They Although he's favorite. hurt too. Uh, exactly. I mean, you don't know. And and you know, Mankata. I, I understand. And you know, Peter Gamble was on our show yesterday morning and talked about how he needed to uh, you know step it up. And and there's the people are down on Mankata. I get that. He's also very young. And this is also very early in Michael Kopech's career. And I know talk radio, you, we want instant winners. We want to uh, award champions immediately. That's, that's the world we live in. So right now, yeah, the Sox are trailing by seven runs in the, in the eighth inning of, of, this, of the Chris Sale trade. But 
you know, if Michael Kopech comes back and, and like a lot of other pitchers have, you're going to have to look at examples. You're going to have to really, you know, study Steven Strasburg, you know, Matt Harvey, Adam Wainwright, uh, Dylan Cease, for goodness sakes. I mean, these are guys, pitchers, who have come back from Tommy John surgery. It is 2018. This isn't 1988. This isn't 1968. It's not a death sentence to a career. So that would maybe sound like you're waving the White Sox flag a little bit, but I think it's also taking a step back and, and you know, having some patience and perspective, two things that are in short supply for a fan base that is, you know, starving for success. I get it. Everybody gets it. But let's not get too carried away and let the disappointment, you know, kind of cloud your judgment here because the Sox, in my mind, still had to do what they had to do. I mean, and they're going about it the right way. This is the danger when you rebuild with arms. Arms and pitchers are more vulnerable and susceptible to injury than if you're building it around position players the way the Cubs did. David, what uh, dangers do, do baseball have right now, especially with so many teams uh, dumping out and trying to do what the White Sox are doing? You have the American League where basically uh, the the, uh, the teams have been set for the playoffs for the last uh, three months already. Uh, Oakland had to separate themselves from Seattle. Otherwise, it's been set there. Then then you have a bunch of teams that are rebuilding and uh, letting the NFL just run rampant over them the last month of the season here. How impactful is that for baseball? And what are the what are the things they have to worry about when, when you know that uh, you have a nice National League race going on, but the American League has uh, basically given it up? That's a great big picture question, Bruce, because I think if you're Rob Manfred, you're looking at this scenario and you're not liking it because you've got, uh, you've got a lot of teams that have checked out. You've got a lot of teams that are trying to go on the cheap and rebuild. You've got a lot of teams that are ignoring the Oakland A's, you know, basically, because when you look at what they have done, it is remarkable what the Oakland A's have done. And if you could build that up and say, hey, you know, we're going to be the Oakland A's next year. That may be a pipe dream in many people's uh, and the exception to the rule, but somehow you've got to make that more of a, more of a story. If you're major league baseball, I think that's very unnoticed that how the, how the A's have done what they've done and that they're, you know, in the position they're in. Yeah. I think it's very much, they're the Mike Trout of baseball teams. You know, not that they're the best in the league, not that they're going to win the American league, but my goodness, how in the world with that payroll are they where they are in the standings? It's a challenge. I mean, because you know, in, the, in Chicago too, as good as the Cubs are, the Bears, if they are, you know, even get an inkling of within a with smelling distance of, of uh, respectability, Chicago's going crazy. So, I don't know. The game's got to probably, you know, be faster. The game's got to be more accessible for younger fans. These are challenges that uh, people smarter than me have got to try to figure out. But if you're the commissioner. You're exactly right, Bruce. That's the issue you're, you're looking at right now in September. Hey, David, I'd like to switch to the north side of town. And, you know, there's been, I don't know, crazy whispers that Joe Madden's uh, job could be in jeopardy if the Cubs don't either win it all or go super deep again into the postseason, which I think is ridiculous. I think he's done his best job yet. And he's had to overcome a lot of obstacles, specifically injuries to some very key players this year. And I know you and Mike have talked about this, I'm sure, incessantly on the morning show. But I'd wonder to get your thoughts here right now on the job that Joe Madden has and these crazy rumors that his job could be in jeopardy. Yeah, I think those are, those are ridiculous. I think they're unfounded, and I think that they uh, have to be the product of, uh, you know, organization, uh, not, not, not organizational, uh, industry-wide jealousy. Someone somewhere started the idea that they're, you know, the, the Cubs uh, 
would possibly move on if they didn't go deep in the playoffs. I, I get why, you know, not every day is going to be paradise uh, with when you have strong uh, minded people and people with a lot of exchange opinionated people like you do in the Cubs front office and, and Joe, but I have not uh, detected anything that would rise to the level of, okay, they're going to park company. That would be absurd because this season, given everything that the Cubs have had to deal with without Darvish, without Chatwood, you know, without Chris Bryant throughout the season, without Addison Russell fully healthy since June, without a lot of things, you have pieced this together with a pitching staff that the front office has done a great job of supplementing with, with an, a roster, with a guy like David Bodie who's been put in the right situations at the right time to succeed. You could make the argument, and now Joe kind of dismissed this the other day. He said he's had better seasons in 2015. It was a greater challenge, he said. But I don't know that he's managed any better. And I think since he came to Chicago, this is one of his best seasons yet. And I think that should be re- rewarded with a contract extension not with whispers about parting company. Well, if there is that extension and he wins the World Series, that's going to be to the tune of 9 or $10 million, which will be uh, uncharted waters since he's already making the most along with him and Bochy and, um, and, and Mike Sosha at this point. So interesting things. Hey, David, thanks for taking some time out. I'm going to get off the air and look at that at 670thescore.com to read your story about Kopech. Have a great weekend, and... We'll be listening to you and Molly on Monday morning. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a great weekend. All right, Thank you. Care. Thank you, David. David Haw of Molly and Haw. You hear them every weekday from 5 to 9 doing a great show. And that's, of course, the voice of Lance Briggs and the Miller Lite Top Draft Series with Lance Briggs is back for 2018. Today, the McNeil and Parkin Show will be live from O'Sullivan's Public House. Actually, that's not today, of course, but that's coming up. Uh, that will be, what day is that, Zach? Is that Friday? Uh, the broadcast starts at 1 o'clock, and Lance will make an appearance from 2 to 2.30. Start your weekend with the score, Lance Briggs and Miller Lite. Miller Lite hold true, and that is apparently today that where it is again is O'Sullivan's Public House. That's 7244 Madison Street in Forest Park, Illinois. Lance Briggs, the one and only. Bruce, we have some special thanks here uh, before we check out. Always uh, start with uh, Zach. Uh, Zach Withers doing a tremendous job. We thank, uh, of course, Ricky Renneria, the White Sox, for joining us, as well as Dr. Brian Cole does such a great show before us uh, every Saturday from 8 until 9. And then, of course, uh, Cal Hendricks and David Haw joined us as well. People can check me out on Twitter, MLB Bruce Levine. Also, I write Cubs and Sox every day at 670thescore.com, David. Bruce, I'll be back with you two weeks from today. Matt Spiegel will be here in the captain's chair along with you next Saturday, so I'll look forward to two weeks from today, and of course, I'll see you at the ballpark. Big upcoming week for the Cubs. They face the Brewers. They face the Reds at Wrigley Field. Their magic number is 18. It's getting close, Bruce. There's going to be a celebration Maybe, hopefully, numerous celebrations, and that's upcoming very shortly. All right, Steve Rosenblum and myself coming up at the top of the hour. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day.